0: I'm going to ask you a question that I hope doesn't sound silly, but the reason, and you've said it already, but the reason I'm saying it is because I I would like to have it really, well, I don't know if it's even possible to make it clear, but as clear as possible to people who are listening. Um, When people want Native American spirituality, they have an idea and it's a little woo-woo and it's not connected to much. And the word spirituality is loaded, too. My sense of Native American spirituality, and this is just me not trying to be arrogant, just w- where I sense it, is that it's very grounded. Um, so I don't know if it's possible for you to explain. You, you did in a way before already when you said we're all related and, and the atoms and the earth are in us and all that. Is that what you would call it? Is there a way to try and take people away from the silly idea of of what spirituality is and try to make it Native American spirituality make it more clear? And if it's too silly a question, don't bother answering it.
1: (laughs) It's not a silly question at all, Uh, but in a way it can't be answered. Uh, It, I think in a sense has to be experienced uh, there's a danger in defining it in any particular way, uh, because then yeah. it just shifts. It just shifts the concept. And as long as it's conceptual, yeah. then it's conceptual. Okay. Uh, to give you examples, uh, I could say that all the experiences that I've had with native ceremony, which include, which which is a really broad range, that, that word, you know, in the sense that I've heard many people say everything you do in your life is ceremony.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: So I think what that points at is the practicality or the pragmatism underlying all Native ceremonial practices that I've been part of or witnessed. And my life right from the time I was a kid with my grandfather. He was not a ritually oriented person, but he took me through experiences that gave me a very pragmatic relationship to the natural world, uh, in which, uh, which we're all part of, so that I had experiences with the natural world where I was not separate from it, it was not separate from me. Okay, not an ideology. For instance, when uh, when I was taught to build the fire for a ceremony for uh, uh, what they call a lodge ceremony, every step of that process has a meaning, both in a pragmatic sense and in a sense of understanding what you're doing uh, in the sense of prayer, in the sense of creating a space that everybody who is coming that day to be part of that ceremony is going to get the best possible outcome of it because of what you put into it while you're building the fire. So that's part of the, the prayer aspect. At the same time, and equally important, is how you place the wood to build a cradle and where you place the stones, how you place, how you build that whole thing is extremely pragmatic, all right? And so if you have a lot of weather coming in or if you have you know, any kind of change in the natural world, there can be shifts in how that's done in order that the job gets done, in order that the stones get penetrated, that the, the heat is there. And so you have to be in right relationship with the with the earth who's gonna take that fire also, it's gonna feel that pain, so you have to be recognizing that. Um, the air that's going to be part of building that fire—you got to recognize that and be part of that. Uh, so the ceremonies, as far as I can see, are really not about implanting an ideology at all. What I want to say is that the, that the function of Native ceremony that I've experienced is to bring people into community where the individual is going to feel and respect all the other individuals involved in the ceremony. They're gonna support each other any way they can in their lives, all right? They're gonna talk about stuff, they're in relationship at the same time they're able to go within their own worlds to get the uh, uh, the life forces of the world around them to, to, to kind of slough off the layers of, of society or the layers that are pre- preventing them from feeling the natural world and being part of the natural world okay, to where they're gonna come out stronger. They're gonna come out understanding themselves a little bit better, and therefore understanding their role in the world, therefore understanding the man or woman next to them, you know? They're gonna understand how to be with their parents in a better way, or with their children in a better way. That's the function. It's not to take in an ideology of what the East and the South and the North and all that means those are part of it, but that's not the prime reason to be there. The prime reason to be there is to understand yourself better and the world around you better, and to be a better person uh, right then and now.
0: This is the wisdom that we don't want to hear from you.
1: <laughs> is it? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe so. You know. It, maybe you're right about that.
0: Because that's hard because, not because it's not wonderful, it's because it's hard work.
1: Precisely. <laughs> it is very hard work because you have to face your stuff. Yeah. You know, you have to really face your stuff. And that's a kind of an essential message is, you know, it's like you can't have the kinship unless you face your stuff. Right. It's that simple. Right. It really is. You, you can't build a relationship Yes. unless you see what's in the way of that relationship.
0: And, and it's also, what, what you're saying is, if I understand you right, is that if nothing's in the way, you're constantly feeling in relationship to everything. Air, people, stone, animals, everything, all the time. You're we're in a web or network of relationship all the time as experience.
1: My students tell me that that, when they first begin to realize that, it can be overwhelming. But then after a while, they say it's actually very comforting.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Right? So we're overwhelmed by it when we've created an image of ourselves as separate from the world around us. So when we've got that cuticle on us as individuals, and I see this in academia, it could Cuticle around the math department or the anthropology department, sociology department, English department. You know, this, this all is compartmentalized stuff. And so when we're compartmentalized as human beings, being within what academic world now begins to call intersectionality, being within that movement of intersectionality, I'm using academic terms now just for the fun of it, right? Just to say how it applies. Or if, if we the same as oh, interdisciplinary. In the old we,
0: word is in, interdisciplinary. What is the what's the difference?
1: Yeah, easy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing, only it's being used a lot more than I've seen it be used in right. my 30 years there, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but uh, you know, where we carry that as individuals around in the world is uh, it's problematical, you know. It really is. It is It is metaphorically and literally at the same time, the separation from the natural world. And it's a separation from a larger sense of time. Okay. A larger sense of time, I think, gives us a greater responsibility. If we're locked into time, we can come to a point and say, well, okay, we've got this problem with, uh, say, a nuclear power industry of spent fuel rods." And we can say, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it without realizing that we're at that bridge. That moment that we've created something that has a 250,000 year, you know, life of, of destructive potentiality. So, yeah. Yeah, we're always there. We're always there. And that's the other thing that I see a lot with the students as they come into realizing or thinking about considering time, every moment in time, every other moment in time that there's a much deeper sense of responsibility. And that comes back to relationship, okay? Relationship over time or kinship over time. We're akin to what happened in the past. We're akin to what's going to happen. In the future,
0: do you think we can heal retroactively?
1: Sure, I do.
0: I mean, through back through time, help generations that were before us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, I, you know, and that's again coming to the right relationship and doing the best that we can here. You know, uh, we can't change history. We can certainly change perceptions of history, very easily, okay? Is the fact that someone was killed or that someone was thrown, a child was thrown into a fire here in California while it was still alive, but we can change how we relate to that. We can either ignore it and blow it off and therefore lose compassion for, for a child that existed in the past, who was a different culture, a different race, you know who was perhaps in the way of what the settlers wanted, okay so it was dehumanized. all right So if we don't look at that and we perpetuate that dehumanization and to today's native children, if we look at it, we shift our relationship to it, you know? So that child's death, even though it will forever be tragic, can then have a positive meaning in where we go from here and how we relate to today's children and tomorrow's children because we're able to look at that and say, what created in that soldier or in that settler? Because it wasn't a soldier, it was a settler. In that particular case, I'm thinking of what created that in that settler's mind? How do we heal that, All right? How do we heal what we've inherited from that settler's mind in our minds now? And how does that affect then our perception of the past? So then the past becomes something that we can gain from rather than something we're running away from. So that's, that's a very active shift. That make sense?
0: Yeah, uh, my question it makes excellent sense. Um, my question was a, a little more uh, mystical one in the sense of I wonder if we can go back and heal the pain in some level that happened For whom? the people who experienced it.
1: That child, for instance? Yeah. I can't really speak to that because that's not my realm. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, to me, that kind of uh, is seeking. It's asking me whether I see that child as a uh, as kind of a specific entity that lives in a quote unquote spiritual world back in the past I don't really see it that way I see that child living within me now okay so that comes that that comes back to the thing of linear time, so it's kind of asking me to yeah. go back and, and, you know what I mean? It's yeah. asking me to go back and see a finite being within a linear time frame, and I don't really conceive it that way.
0: I was thinking to some degree in the, in the way that time is not linear but circular.
1: Well, if, if time is, is an ocean, okay, which maybe be a little bit different than circular, okay uh then that's a there's a constant inner relationship with that child so that child lives in me ever since i've learned about it yeah okay and so this is this is what uh my friend greg talks about uh when he comes across remains but there's this is you know a ranch something happens a river uh opens up uh a a graveyard or a burial site, or there's a development that opens up a burial site. When he comes and deals with those remains, that's a very emotional thing for him because that's his sister or that's his brother, okay? That still lives within him. And because of the way he sees time, there's no separation, okay? So that, that sister doesn't live back there in a linearly constructed framework so much as it lives with him now. So it's a, it's a subtle difference, but a profound difference at the same time. So I th- I mean, the short answer to your question is, yes, we can, but and we must do that healing. We must do that, healing. Whether we can alleviate the pain of someone having been thrown in the fire as a child in 1880, I don't think so. You know, that experience was that child's experience at that time. Yeah. And that's part of the hard part that we have to look at, I think. You know, that's where... That child's pain, if we allow that child to be in our lives now, we're going to feel that pain. You know, the purpose of feeling that pain is not to eliminate the pain for that child, but is to understand what we have inherited from that murder. Okay. And that pain is within all of us if, if we open up to it. And that's, again, part of what I think, for lack of a better word, colonial culture doesn't want to deal with that pain. Because it doesn't see itself as responsible. So it doesn't want to acknowledge that that pain exists within our our psychological and spiritual body today. But it does. It does very much so. That pain is what keeps us from being able to do what, what you said is the hard work. Simon Ortiz, a Pueblo writer, deals with this. He said, why did they see pain and death as something bad? You know, pain and death are are part of life and you learn from them. You know, it's not that you need to hang out and beat yourself over the back, you know, like the flagellants or something like that, but it has to be be dealt with. Buffy St. Marie talks about it as a fuel the pain, the anger, the rage, all of that has to be dealt with honestly. It's like a fuel for getting to the next to the next place. And will it ever go away? I don't think so. I, I think it's like asking somebody with PTSD to forget about their war experience. They can't do that, but they can learn how to handle it in the best way possible. The vets that I have the most uh, respect for, that's how they, uh, that's how they say it okay and I think it's the same thing with what's happened here we have to we have to dive in we have to look at it we see how we have to see how we fell away from our nature yeah in order to come back to it
0: that's a very beautiful place to stop how we fell away from our nature in order to come back to it
1: no I think the only thing that I would and that I, that I think is really important when we look at these things is to really emphasize that in the preponderance of experience here, I mentioned this before, of human experience, I think we have far more time doing it right than we have messing it up. And I think that's really important to think about so that we can acknowledge that part in our DNA, so to speak, that knows how to do it right. Okay, this is why I think what uh, Dr. White is talking about, what Greg Castro is talking about, what uh, Bruce Pascoe is talking about, all this is really, really important. We don't have to go somewhere that we're unfamiliar with. We have to go back into what we are really deeply familiar with and face our mistakes. It's a matter of maturity, really, in a sense.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful, all of it. Wonderful, not the topic, but wonderful in the wisdom and profundity and meaning of the things you shared.
1: Well, thank you. I, I just believe we can do it because I see it happen semester after semester with my students at the college. I see it in young people uh, working in the city uh, with the seed project and farming and coming in and you know telling a whole group at the University of Native kids and non-native kids to you know what they're doing and everybody lighting up. I, I see the beauty of this okay. and young people yeah. and, and elders and uh, Native people and non-Native people alike. And yeah. It's quite extraordinarily beautiful. And yeah. I think it's very easy to fall over into the woe is me. Uh, and I think we are facing tremendous woes and Uh, I think we, as DARS Science says, you know, not DARS, but what he's reporting, uh, we perhaps have 2C baked into the system. That's going to create radical change. So rather than focusing uh, solely on that 2C, I think we need to have much more focus on how we are going to adapt and how we need to start adapting immediately to the changes that are built into the system, okay? I don't think we're gonna reverse it. I think we're gonna have to adapt to it. You You know, the parallel is like, we couldn't stop the genocide here. And a lot of us fell off our path by attempting to use the methods of the colonists in order to fight the colonists. And that didn't work, okay? What happened, happened and is still happening in different ways uh, and we, we need to stick to our path. You know? And we've had to adapt and to, to just monstrous change. And it could be, I don't know for sure, but it could be that, that the whole of humanity is gonna have to adapt to absolutely radical change as well. And in order to succeed at that, it has to know that it has the capacity. Okay? This is why I don't really have a lot of patience with, well, the world will be better off without us. You know? Oh, we, you no. Know, it's, you it's, know?
0: We are magnificent as much as we're awful. We're magnificent.
1: We're part of it. You and know? Yes. Daryl Wilson said, we are your children. You know? We're yes. children. So... Uh, yeah. Yeah. We need to stop being two year olds. <laughs>